Is it possible to be happy at work? The answer is yes, and I'm going to show you how to do that. And then, a tale of two cities. One is booming, the other is broken, and it has an impact on America. We'll talk about it. Helping you win at work so that you're winning in other areas of your life. This is the Ken Coleman Show. I'm Ken. Let's go. Let's answer the question. Can you be happy at work? Is it possible? Or is work just destined to be a place of drudgery? I got to get through it. I just got to make it through Monday. If I can make it to hump day on Wednesday, that means I've only got two days left until happy hour and whatever activities I have planned for the weekend to try to make the previous five days bearable and then somehow psych myself up on Sunday night to be able to drag myself out for another week and I rinse and I repeat. This is As sad as that sounds, this is what a lot of people think work is. And they think, you know what? It is what it is. I've got to be a responsible human being. I've got to take care of my family. I've got to provide. And so this is the way they look at work. And so they accept it. So is it possible to be happy at work? So I've had the privilege of interviewing what I believe and who I believe is maybe the foremost expert on happiness at work. Harvard-renowned researcher Sean Aker. I did an interview with Sean. We're going to be replaying that on the show soon. We want to recycle that for some of you uh, that have never heard it. And, And I've studied his work. I've studied his research, and the research bears out. It is, in fact, very, very possible to be so fulfilled in your work, even on the bad days, even on the intense days where you got a lot on you, your body of work, it's possible to actually make it through the work day, the work week, the work month, the work year, your entire career. You can do it and be truly happy. Now, how do you do it? I think there's five indicators that if you can meet all five of these criteria, you will be happy. Because this isn't, by the way, a bunch of mind over matter stuff and a bunch of kumbaya and sit around humming while you do yoga. This is actually, if I can put myself in these scenarios, I will be happy. The first is you got to be in the right seat. You got to be in the right seat of the bus. And, And so this is determined by I am in a position where I am good enough. I've got the talent to actually execute and pull it off. All right. And then we determine from there, is it in my sweet spot? Meaning that I love the work and I care deeply about the results. That's what I teach all the time. When I'm using what I do best to do what I enjoy or love and I produce results that matter to me, I am in my sweet spot or I am certainly on the right seat of the bus. But let's go, let's just go one level down there. It is possible that you're in the right seat of the bus because you're in the stepping stone or you're on the stepping stone. So in other words, I can be happy at work if I'm in the right seat. The right seat being in my sweet spot where I am using what I do best to do what I love to produce results I care about or I'm on a stepping stone. So it might just be 
something I'm good at. I may not love it. I might not be producing results that I care deeply about, but I'm on the stepping stone that leads me to that work. So that's what I mean by you are in the right seat. You're in the right seat. Let me tell you something. You can absolutely be happy at work. The second is you are healthy. You're healthy. What do I mean by that? You've got boundaries at work. In other words, you're at a place where you've got the maturity and you've got the relationship with your leader that you need to have where you can say, I can't take that on right now. See, if you're in a healthy environment, you will be healthy because you can say the things, raise the hands, ask for help, and a leader will understand, hey, you're swamped. I get it. I'm sorry. Let me figure it out. They give you real leeway to be able to say, I I feel like I'm about to drown. Okay, we'll fix this or hang on two more days and then we fix it. They are engaged with you. So you have boundaries where you can actually say no. Now, for some of you, it starts with saying, I can't. No, I can't. You, my leader, tell me, if I take on something else, I have to drop something. Help me. Now, it starts with you raising your hand and seeing, am I in a healthy environment to where I can actually raise my hand? And I can say no. So being healthy means being happy. So the first part of that is I have some boundaries at work. The word no is not taboo. The second, I create boundaries at home. I'm not working at home very much. And my, my, my gauge would be little to none. And I mean little to none. That's my own personal rhythm. And I've made it work for me. You can make it work for you. So you're healthy because you have boundaries. Boundaries is the key. I'm able to say no. Next, you're valued. This is very simple. You're recognized and you are rewarded. You're recognized in meetings. You have a voice is the idea here. You're recognized and praised, if you will, by your leader. And as a result of being recognized, you are rewarded. The reward of being recognized in meetings and in projects, you get your ideas accepted. They go, we're going to go with Ken's idea in this situation. You're also rewarded. The bonuses, uh, other other opportunities for for not just your bonuses and commissions, but uh, special rewards and recognition. Fourth, you're on a good team. You're on a good team. It is it is marked by collaboration and community. We work well together, and we play well together. And otherwise, I, we're, we're eating together. Uh, Maybe we do things out of the office every once in a while, or when we're in the office, we have a good time. We collaborate. We, (coughs) excuse me, we work well together, but we also play well together. Collaboration and community here. These are the hallmarks of a good, solid, healthy team. And then fifth, you have a ladder for growth opportunities. It has been made clear to you by your leader, leadership in the company, And you can see a path. You can see a path forward or you can see a ladder that you can climb. When we are in an environment where we realize if I come in and bust it and I do a good job here, I'm going to have an opportunity to get more responsibility, which means more money. 
Those are the five factors. You're in the right seat. You're healthy. You're valued. You're on a good team. And you have a ladder for growth. Those five factors are not myths. They aren't unicorns dancing out in the future and we can't ever seem to kind of lasso them in and, and get the opportunity. You have to look for this. You have to, in some ways, demand it by saying, this is the kind of environment I want to be in. And if I'm not going to be able to get this environment, I've got to move on. So you can be happy at work. And when you're happy at work, you're happy in the rest of your life. And that's good. Hey, if you are enjoying the show, if it's encouraging you, equipping you, would you help us by, if you're on YouTube, liking the videos that you're watching, subscribing to the channel, and sharing. Also, if you're listening via your favorite podcast app, give us a follow, a five-star review, and share as well. All right. A Tale of Two Cities, fabulous uh, novel written by the legendary Charles Dickens. For those of you who are younger, if you've never read it, I think it is must-reading. It's really actually enjoyable, even though it's an old book. But I'm going to borrow that classic title to talk about economic development, the economy as a whole, and your financial future. How about that? How about that for wrapping it all in? All right? So this is straight out of the headlines, but this affects you and your future. You know, the old phrase that Thomas Jefferson penned, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This story, or these two cities, and the story I'm going to weave together absolutely matters to you. Here we go. We have two cities, and uh, we're going to break it down. First is, and we're going to call this one metropolitan area, Dallas-Fort Worth. For you Texans out there, I do know that Dallas is its own city and so is Fort Worth. But we're going to look at the metropolitan area of Dallas-Fort Worth, and then we're going to look at Los Angeles. All right? First, let's look at Dallas-Fort Worth. This is one of the country's fastest-growing metropolitan areas. The region added more people than any other U.S. metro between 2021 and 2022, with 170,000-plus new residents. Now, when that happens, business expansion and relocations become the major economic driver. They are now predicting that Dallas, economists are predicting that Dallas-Fort Worth area will overtake the Chicago area and become the third most populous metro within the decade. Now, you're talking about Los Angeles, New York, Chicago have been the big three as long as I've been alive. But if you look at Chicago, what are you seeing when you see Chicago in the headlines? I'll tell you. A mediocre to crappy football team and a lawless city. That's what you see in the headlines. Nobody even talks about the Bulls anymore. The White Sox are they're 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 irrelevant. 
The Cubs are kind of like cool because of Fenway. I mean, excuse me, uh, Wrigley. Freudian slip there. All my Boston fans got all fired up for a second. All right, now, so that's what you think of when you think of Chicago. Crime-ridden, mob, riot, teens everywhere, new gunshot death every other minute. This is just a fact. That's what you think of. So Dallas-Fort Worth, here it comes. Uh... 265 businesses have either relocated or expanded to Dallas-Fort Worth since 2020. That just gives you an idea. 265. Moving their entire operation and a lot of employees probably coming with it. Now, what does it have going for it? Well, here are a few things. Major airport, highway and rail access, very centrally located in the United States. Home to a number of major universities, which is meaning you're getting... A lot of new people coming in all the time. That's expanding the tax base. High skill, a lot of research, diversity, and a lot of room to expand because of the way it's situated in the topography. Now, here's what's interesting. Fort Worth has been a blue-collar city in its past versus Dallas, the more glitzy big city. And Fort Worth is known more for manufacturing and transportation businesses than finance and real estate, which you would see in Dallas. The city, though, is attracting new companies because of this identity. Robert Stearns, who's the director of economic development for the city of Fort Worth, is quoted in this article that I'm reading. We have a definable character. We're Caltown, Stearns says. That's not something we shy away from. And uh, we we did it at Ramsey Solutions event in uh the Dallas-Fort Worth area just about five months ago, and we had a reception, and we were meeting with a lot of people who are associated with Ramsey Solutions, so our endorsed local providers in real estate and insurance and tax and, and, and on and on and on and on and on it goes. And I picked that up at the reception. I was meeting people. Where do you live? Where do you work? And there absolutely is a political divide, too. So it's not just the economics of Fort Worth and how it's been in the type of businesses. It's been more blue-collar versus your white-collar in Dallas. Very interesting. Now, let's go on to our second city. And then I'm going to break this down. You're going to go, okay, how does this impact me? I'm going to tell you. Let's look at Los Angeles in the news. So while Dallas-Fort Worth is popping, all good stuff I just laid out, L.A.'s trying to nosedive the plane. The city of Los Angeles workers are now joining hotel employees, Hollywood actors, and TV and movie writers who have all walked into a strike this summer. So as I share this with you, tomorrow is the big day when thousands of city workers are going to strike. This includes sanitation workers, Los Angeles, International Airport, LAX employees, street services, all from Local 721, a union that represents more than 98,000 county and city workers across Southern California. This is from David Green, their executive director. We're going to shut down the city of Los Angeles. That's their goal. He says sanitation alone, sanitation workers, sanitation department of Los Angeles has over 900 vacancies. And we've been sounding the alarm for years. His beef, the city has sent people in to negotiate. 
who do not have authority to make the changes that they're asking for. So, a tale of two cities. Dallas-Fort Worth is booming. Los Angeles is breaking. So let's look at why Los Angeles is breaking. Here's just a few reasons. Los Angeles is known for more government. Back-breaking regulations on the city level and the state level. More government. More government always means, you ready, high taxes. Interestingly enough, for all those high taxes, Los Angeles has got a lot of crime. High crime is next. High homelessness. I was in Los Angeles, folks, just about 10 months ago doing media, and I'm in a Tony area of Los Angeles going to do a big-time podcast, and there were homeless tents and tarps all over the sidewalk. I began to look around. Where are the police to come shut it down? Nope. It's just, and I mean Mercedes and Beamers and Bentleys, zipping right by. Nobody's doing a thing about it. Well, you would imagine with high taxes, high crime, and high homelessness, you'd have high levels of exits. And you do. Where are these people going? (laughs) They're going to Dallas-Fort Worth and other cities like Nashville and cities in Florida. Why? Well, let's look at the boom city. Well, Dallas-Fort Worth, less government. Interestingly enough, lower taxes, lower crime, lower homelessness, and as a result, more entries. So why am I sharing this with you? Because if you live in an area where it is about more government regulation that puts a onus on small businesses, where you see more government control and less freedom for the citizens, you're going to see higher crime. You're going to see higher homelessness, higher taxes. Listen, there's your sign. This could affect my business. This could affect my home value. I got to get out. I got to go where it's booming. And what are the signs of a boom? Freedom. Less government, more freedom. There it is, folks. You were created to fill a unique role in your work. That means you are needed, and it means you must do it. Somebody out there needs you to show up and be the best version of you. I want you to stop thinking about work as this occupation that I just have to do to live, and I want you to begin to think about work as a unique contribution that you were created to make. And if you can do that, I'm going to tell you something, your Monday through Friday will change forever, and we'll watch your income and watch your overall health increase as well. I created a tool to help you figure out what is that work that I was created to do. It's called the Get Clear Career Assessment. It is a tool. It is an awareness tool that takes you about 12 to 15 minutes max. 
and you're going to get a very detailed report on what you do best. That's your talent, what you love to do. That's passion and what results motivate you. That's your sense of mission. And when I can see a report on all three of those things, I begin to see myself in my unique contribution. It's a powerful tool. Tens and tens and tens of thousands of people have taken it and it has changed their perspective and their future. You can get it at kencoleman.com slash assessment, kencoleman.com slash assessment. Let's go to Jason now, who's on the line in Baltimore, Maryland. Jason, how can we help? Hey, Ken, how are you doing? I am living the dream. What's going on? I, I have um, a question for you. So um, right now I work in the automotive industry. Um, I've been a mechanic. Uh, currently I'm a service advisor. Um, I'm trying to get into the uh, insurance field uh, as an auto damage adjuster, insurance adjuster. And I read the book, The Proximity Principle, and I'm trying to use what I've learned uh, in doing that and helping me in, in order to get this, this job. It's something that I've been wanting to do for a couple of years now, and I'm trying to get myself uh, as close as I can to um, gain an employment in that, in that field. Um, being, uh, with talking to, I, I have another friend who's gone to that same career path that, I've, that I want to go. Uh, talked to him, got some, some ideas off of him. Um, as part of what I do on a daily basis, um, I do talk to insurance adjusters frequently. Every chance I get, I'll, I'll kind of grab their ear and ask them, Hey, you know, do you have any advice? Do you have any, you know, uh, can you tell me about day-to-day stuff? Do you have any tips for me to get into the industry? Um, I've tried to, to, to do that. I've also, um, so what's happening? Tell me what well, tried. Tell me what tried looks like. What what have so you done, and what's not working? I've been. I've put in applications at, at basically all the different insurance um, companies. Um, I've gotten to different stages of the process with different companies. Um, so what I ended up doing is I figured, okay, well maybe I need to show that I'm uh, serious about this, that I actually can do it. Went out on my own. I found a. Um, internet course where I can take. And even though my state doesn't require a license, I've gone out and um, taken the classes, got certified, yeah. got my adjuster's license uh, out of the state of Florida. But have uh, you had any interviews? I've, so I have had interviews. Um, how many? One of the companies, probably like four or five. Okay. How far did you get? Was it just one and done or did you have multiple? Well, what? With one of the companies, I went all the way up to a, a basically a, a pretend mock day at work where I did a, a like a two hours where I was put in different scenarios. Um, lately, um, I've just it's 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 a little bit harder because most of the, especially the bigger companies, everything's done online. So whenever I get an interview, I'm not actually interviewing with a real person. I have a pre-recorded question, yeah. and then I video yeah. record myself answering the question, but I yeah. never get any feedback. You know, what feedback did you get from the uh, from the fake day at work? That sounds like you went pretty far in the process, and they had you kind of come in and walked you through some, some type of simulation. Did you get any feedback on that? Not really. It was, okay, thanks for your time, and then uh, I just got an email letter you know, a week or two later saying, okay. oh, you know, yeah. thank you for coming in. We've yeah. pursued different candidates. Well, here's the deal. I mean, th- there is no silver bullet. And and I can only tell you that the you cannot keep doing what you're doing or else you'll become discouraged. And you may already be there. 
And yeah, I, I understand that you've read Proximity Principle and you've tried to do it, but there's a difference between trying to do it and doing it. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's a difference between trying to swim and swimming. Trying to swim involves a lot of splashing and movement, and then I start, I stop. Swimming is just, I get in the pool, I push off, and I'm swimming. Mm-hmm. And and so I, the reason I'm giving you that example is because you've done a little bit of the proximity principle by talking to some people that are in the business. But when you're looking at actual jobs that are available, okay, so company XYZ, company ABC, uh, company you know DEF, and when we see those jobs listed, okay, we now need to employ the proximity principle there and go, okay. Do I know anybody that works at these companies? And if the answer is no, do I know anybody who knows somebody that works over there? Okay. And then it starts into the degrees of connections there. Do I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody? Because what has to happen is you have to go from this nameless, faceless person talking to an AI robot, and you've got to have somebody going, I've heard great things about Jason. Here's who I heard them from, and there's credibility there. And so Jason has applied. He went through all those stuff, but here's Jason's resume. And and on this resume are two or three really strong endorsements from people that that I know. Mm-hmm. And maybe endorsements from people in the insurance adjustment business. But you have to be maniacal in your focus to go, I cannot do the online-only game anymore. I might as well go buy a lottery ticket while I'm at it mm-hmm. because it's the same situation. But when you really lock in, Jason, and I and I love and I'm applauding you for having the few conversations that you've had with people that are in the industry, you got to keep doing it, though. If mm-hmm. I want to get into insurance adjustments, I have got to keep connecting with people in that industry, even meet some people who are in a position to hire for that role that don't have an opening right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to remind you, I don't know if you know my story or not, but I'm I'm 33 when I started into broadcasting. I kept connecting and kept connecting and kept connecting. And many times, I was connecting when there wasn't even a job available, but I was just connecting. Hey, I want to get in. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And finally, I finally got a breakthrough moment when I remember doing a favor for somebody who uh, had a had a friend, and I did a favor for my friend for her friend, and her friend mentioned in our lunch that she and her family owned a radio station in Gainesville, Georgia. And I called her back and I said, "Hey, do you remember our lunch?" She goes, "Yeah, you really helped me out. Thank you very much." Hey, I'm wondering if you could help me out. Can you get me an interview with your family that runs that station? She said, "Are you kidding me?" When can you do it? Give me three or four options. This week it'll be done. And that led to me finally getting on the radio. After about a three to four year process of doing what you're doing, I'd have a conversation here, I'd have a conversation there. But I didn't get maniacal until about six months prior to the story I just told you. But when I got really serious about making connections saying, hey, do you know somebody over there? Do you know somebody over there? Do you know somebody over there? And that's when we stand out and we break through the stack of now digital resumes. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is no Mm -hmm. silver bullet. I don't have some little hack for you. You have to stay with it. And if you've got to go work in some other field, 
while or just get AJOB. If you do what it takes to stay alive, to keep your nose up until finally that opportunity comes in and somebody opens a door for you and you just walk right through it and you beat everybody else. But you beating everybody else is not interviewing better. You beating everybody else is somebody giving you the job before it's listed because you've talked to everybody and everybody and you've got a list of everybody who's doing insurance adjusting in the greater Baltimore area. And you make it your full-time hobby early in the morning, late at night, Saturday mornings, Sunday afternoons, I am going to find a connection over here and eventually I'm going to get the gig. Folks, this isn't just for Jason, this is for a lot of you. This is just grit. You got to decide. You can't be stopped. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.